Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. People who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise As Father Jesse mentioned, in 2019, Pope Francis established the third Sunday of Ordinary Time as Sunday of the Word of God, a day when we celebrate the power and the grace contained in God's Word and sacred scripture. The Catechism of the Catholic Church reminds us that the Church has always venerated the scriptures as she venerates the Lord's body. She never ceases to present to the faithful the bread of life, taken from the one table of God's Word and Christ's body. As we all look forward to the Eucharist, we sometimes consider the liturgy of the Word as just an appetizer. It's not. It's also a main course. The heart of sacred scripture lies the Gospels, containing the words of Jesus himself. Let's think about this for a moment. The creator of the universe became man. The word became flesh. And this book contains the actual words he spoke. I think we sometimes take this for granted, but it should absolutely blow our minds. From the very beginning of the Mass, and through the liturgy of the word, the book of the Gospels is handled with reverence. This isn't just any book. In the entrance procession, I brought forward the book, raised for all to see, and then placed it on the altar in the exact place where the sacrifice of the Eucharist will take place. Placing it on the altar signals the assembly right at the beginning of Mass that Christ, who becomes present here in bread and wine, is already present in the Word, particularly in the Gospel. Then we all stand for the reading of the gospel, indicating that something special and significant is about to happen. And I bow before the priest, asking for his blessing. As he blesses me, he says, May the Lord be in your heart and on your lips. You may proclaim his gospel worthily and well. Once I received his blessing, I bowed before the altar, retrieved the book, and raised it before the people of God for veneration. In most of our Sunday Masses, and today, candles and incense lead the procession of the word, once again signaling 
the importance of the moment. Note also that the gospel is the only reading that starts with a greeting, the Lord be with you, and ends with a special conclusion. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Both phrases underscore the main theme. Jesus Christ is present in this reading. And before I began, I incensed the book, representing our prayers being lifted up in unison with the words of the gospel. I then made the sign of the cross on the book, and we all did the same on our forehead, lips, and heart. This gesture blesses the word where we meet Christ, the mind where we will hear him, the lips that proclaim him, and the heart that loves him. Finally, after proclaiming, I kissed the book, just as we kissed the altar at the beginning of Mass, again venerating the word, saying, through the words of the gospel, may our sins be wiped away. So in today's gospel, we hear Matthew's account, the beginning of Jesus' public ministry and the choosing of his first apostles. Jesus chose as his home base the city of Capernaum in Galilee. Matthew sees this move to Capernaum as a fulfillment of prophecy, which we heard in the first reading from Isaiah and was repeated again within the gospel. Now the region of, region of Galilee where Capernaum lies is also within the region once occupied by the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Why is this important? Well, you may recall from your Bible study that after the death of King Solomon, 12 tribes split into two different kingdoms. Ten tribes of the north became the kingdom of Israel. The two tribes in the south became the kingdom of Judah. Over 700 years before Christ was born, in the Assyrian exile, the majority of the people of God, the tribes of Israel, were wiped out. They were driven out of the Holy Land. They had a few remnants here and there. Their tribal land, their tribal territory, was now taken over by pagans. The first two tribes to go into exile were the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. In other words, the territory of Galilee is where the exile began, where the overthrow of the 12 tribes started. And that's where Jesus is going to begin his public ministry. Precisely where the exile began is where Jesus is going to start to undo the effects of the exile. Precisely where the 12 tribes were scattered to the four winds is where Jesus is going to begin calling his 12 disciples, in order to gather around himself a new Israel, in order to establish a new kingdom. This is very deliberate on Jesus' part. So what is this new kingdom that Jesus refers to? What is this kingdom of heaven? It is one which establishes the will of the Father on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom makes its entrance into the world through the words and actions of Jesus. Demands from us a human response, beginning with repentance, followed by humility, forgiveness, and seeking righteousness. Attributes we hear later in Matthew's Gospel in the words of the Beatitudes. Its power and presence are mediated through the church, the mystical body of Christ. This kingdom also looks forward to the final judgment 
When Jesus comes again, the full splendor of the kingdom will be revealed. Also, as Father said, we're right in the middle of the week of of International Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. By observing this, Christians hope to move toward the fulfillment of Jesus' prayer in the Last Supper, that they all may be one. A division takes place in the church at many levels. The 30,000-foot level, we find the schism between the Roman and Eastern churches, and the division among the many denominations Christianity. Closer to home, we find within the Roman Catholic Church and even at the parish level, dissent regarding the practice of the sacred liturgy, sacred music, and numerous other issues. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you this is nothing new. Today's second reading, in his first letter to the church at Corinth, St. Paul is addressing the dissension that is already taking place in this young church that he himself had founded. Various factions were emerging. Some were following Paul, others Apollos, who was an eloquent preacher of the time, others Cephas or Peter, and others attributed to Christ himself. Obviously, Paul is frustrated, but his response was brilliant and so relevant today. And sometimes we can be mesmerized by the eloquence or charismatic nature of preachers while sometimes losing the meaning of the word. So he said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Obviously, the answer to both is no. Christ is not divided. He has but one body, the church. You can't belong to Paul because Paul wasn't crucified for you. He went on to say, Christ sent me to preach the gospel not with the wisdom of human eloquence, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its meaning. In other words, he's saying, this is not about me. It's about the good news. The God of the universe became man, died on the cross, that we might be saved. This week, let us all pray for unity in our families, the church, and in the world. Let's ask ourselves, am I a uniter or a divider? St. Anthony of Padua.